chaplet of divine mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God. He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In atonement for our sins and those of the whole world, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, 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 for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He hath come for sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, 
For the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. 
sake of his sorrowful passion. For the 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 sake of his sorrowful passion. Holy God, holy mighty one, holy immortal one, have mercy on us and on the possible to make your cup of coffee an even greater joy? Coffee of the Cross brings you great coffee for a great cause. We roast on Mondays and ship on Wednesdays direct to you from Nicaragua. All proceeds go to fund the Mountain of Peace Shrine, inspired by St. John Paul II, where thousands of people come on pilgrimage to pray for peace and consecrate themselves to Our Lady. Coffee of the Cross is a non-profit project of the Diocese of Matagalpa, with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Fill your cup with Coffee of the Cross, knowing that you are employing families and conserving a natural treasure, the Mountain of Peace Shrine. Please visit coffeeofthecross.com for more information and to purchase your coffee today. That website again is coffeeofthecross.com. It's time now for the KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Each week at this time, we present interviews on topics pertinent to Catholics in North Texas. And now, here is this week's Interview of the Week. 
Well, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here in the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Dave Palmer is my name. Cecil Anderson is producing the program, and I want to first of all thank Brian Muth. He is director of admissions and financial aid at Bishop Dunn Catholic School in Dallas. And I love when people, and I always ask for this. I love when people send me an email and say, "Hey, I got a suggestion for an email." I mean, not for an email, for an interview. <laughs> and he said, uh, "Hey, would you like?" to interview the principal of Bishop Dunn. Her name is Mary Beth Marcioni about distance learning at Bishop Dunn. And of course, I said, yeah, let's do it. And as I've mentioned a, a number of times, I used to teach at Bishop Dunn for three years back in the 2001 to 2004 time. So it's uh, great to speak to Mary Beth Marcioni, the principal now for two years at Bishop Dunn. And she is also married to her husband, Jim. They have one adult child, three grandkids, and they they call Prince of Peace Parish in Plano their home. So we welcome Mary Beth Marcioni to the program. How are you doing, Mary Beth? Hi, Dave. I'm great. How are you? Good, good. So I hope I got all that bio right. <laughs> uh, tell us, uh, first of all, a little bit more about yourself. Uh, I'm guessing you might have been a teacher in the past. How did you kind of work your way up to principal? And I assume to be, I think, president as well. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, I grew up in the New York City area. I went to Catholic school um, all the way from first grade through college. I went to a a big Catholic high school called St. Francis Prep in Fresh Meadows, New York, and then to Iona College in New Rochelle, New York, which is run by the Irish Christian Brothers. And um, so Catholic education was obviously important to me and to my formation. And then I worked at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. for a while as an admissions representative and um, and then we moved around my husband worked in college athletics and we moved to the Kansas City area and I worked in a large private school there teaching I earned my master's in history during that time period and then I also was fortunate to be able to do a fellowship year at the at the Klingenstein Center at Columbia University's Teachers College and that year was really transformational. It was a time to look at education in a different way and to begin to think about how I wanted my future in education to transpire. And I returned to Kansas City, and then we moved to Indianapolis, where I worked at our large private school as well. And then we moved, um, eventually moved back to Kansas, and um, we got involved in our parish at Corpus Christi in Lawrence, and I was on their school board for a year or so, and... Um, I uh, did some subbing over there, and, and in the meantime, I ran a school, a private school called Topeka Collegiate. But in all of that time, my um, my son got married to a girl from from Plano, and uh, they met at the University of Kansas and married, and he moved to Dallas. And we have one child, and we decided that we wanted to make Dallas home mm. in order to be near those three grandchildren. Yeah, because they will be here forever. And her parents were very involved in Prince of Peace and in uh, in Dallas and um, the Catholic community in Dallas. And we knew that they would live here forever. And we thought we have one child and we want to move to Dallas. And so I uh, met some people who were familiar with Bishop Dunn and with Dr. Fariki. And when there was an opening for an interim principal in the summer of 2018, that uh, that individual called me and said, hey, there's this job, it's an interim job, but uh, we think that you'd be great and that you'd love Bishop Dunn and 
let me get you in touch with Dr. Variki and Dr. Alonzo. And so I literally came down and interviewed and in about two weeks moved to Dallas. Yeah. Oh, wow. What an interesting way to, to get here. I see. Any way that you get to North Texas is a good way, but uh, that that's really an interesting story. And now you're principal and soon to be president as well. Is is that unusual for a high, Catholic high school for one person to wear both of those hats? It has gone in cycles over the years. Um, we are a smaller school. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, when you have a much larger school, it's unusual. Mm-hmm. But because Bishop Dunn is smaller, and um, we decided that it made sense, particularly in this transitional period, that it made sense to um, reorganize a little bit and to figure out what's the best way to support our students and their families. And so for the time being, we decided that we would not have a principal-president model, but have a president and then have an administrative team that will organize and manage different areas of the school. Yeah, I, I, I found some information on the website, uh, bdcs.org, about the school. Many people may not realize that this school was founded back in 1901. It used to be called Our Lady of Good Counsel, and it has a middle school, so it serves 6th through 12th graders. It's a very diverse, multicultural community. Uh, and so there's a lot of uniqueness about the school. And I was just uh, going to ask you, Mary Beth, in, in your two years of being there, and let's talk about pre-COVID because I think everything changed <laughs> in about March of this year, and uh, that's kind of the thrust of what that's we're right. going to be talking about. But uh, what, what have you found to be charming and uh, really special about this school? Well, it is unique to have a school that's sixth grade 6 through 12, and it gives us that seven-year advantage to bring students who can join us, bring them along in a really exciting way because they're with us from those early pre-adolescent, early adolescent years, and we can help them develop their skills so that they're really prepared for the opportunities and the challenges that high school brings them. And they know the Bishop Dunn way. They know how to be good students and how to study and how to be good citizens and um, it gives us an advantage because then when they come to high school, about half of our high schoolers are new and about half of them come from our own eighth grade and they can help the new eighth, the new ninth graders acclimate to our school. And that's really, really exciting. Um, another thing that's different is how diverse we are. Mm-hmm. We're, we are unique in that we are, uh, we have a real strong commitment to diversity. We have probably um, about 38% of our students are Hispanic about 35% are African-American, and then the rest are a mix of all sorts of um, races. We also have only about half of our students are Catholic, and, and yet everyone here is, um, is part of the Catholic tradition, and our Catholic identity is very, very important to us, and so our non-Catholic students are learning about Catholicism in their classes and in their everyday life. And so that's unique to have a, a school that's only about half Catholic, and yet that Catholic identity is so important to us. We're really lucky. We have Father Russ Mower, who's the the um, chaplain of our school. He's the pastor of St. Elizabeth of Hungary, and that's only a few blocks from Bishop Dunn. Mm-hmm. And so with his help, we're able to help all of our students understand the Catholic identity of Bishop Dunn. And we have weekly Mass. Here at Bishop Dunn, once a month, we walk as a community over to St. Elizabeth of Hungary. It's amazing to see. 
you know, it's really this kind of definition of Catholic identity because there we are walking through the neighborhood. I remember those tracks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I'm sure you did that, right? Yeah, sure did. And, um, and when the bishop came over in the fall to say Mass for us, he was said, wow, look at it. Just look at the picture of mm-hmm. that. It's, you know, it's such a visual representation of that Catholic identity as we all walk to Mass. But we have Mass every week. We have... Um, all sorts of programs. We have Advent programs and, and Lent. We have a team Lent um, every year during Lent where our students work together for how they want to prepare for Easter. And and, um, and that's really important to who we are. We have, um, you know, we'll, we, we really have an identity, an intellectual identity where we say we have a wide range of students and we have kiddos who need a lot of support. And then we have students who are doing four or five APs in a year. Yeah. And who are, um, you know, really excelling and ready for that challenge. And yet we're able to meet all of those students' needs from where they are and then help them reach their potential. Yeah, we, awesome. Um, and, you know, uh, by the way, Mary Beth Marcioni is the principal and uh, president, I think, in this upcoming year as well, of Bishop Dunn Catholic School. They're located in South Dallas. Their website is bdcs.org. And uh, they their mission statement, Bishop Dunn Catholic School empowers each student to explore, inquire, lead, and serve through a college preparatory education in a joyful community of faith. And you can find all that on the website as well. And uh, Mary Beth, clearly from everything you said, you have a lot of experience experience in education and as a student and, uh, and working at Georgetown and all the other places you've been. Uh, but nobody could really anticipate or have experience in advance for what happened this year uh, in, across the whole country and the world. Tell, tell us how the, you know, how did you adjust? How did you and your staff and the students handle uh, what changes had to come about through the COVID-19 uh, pandemic? Well, you're right, Dave. Nobody could have been uh, fully prepared for this. And, you know, we sort of were watching. We had an international trip planned to go on a pilgrimage to Paris and Rome over spring break. And uh, I had begun to think about whether or not that really was going to be advisable And sometime in February and started asking questions and started watching this, what was happening in Europe a little bit more closely because we were going to Europe. Yes. And I was taking 24 students with me and obviously wanted to make sure they were safe. And so we began talking about this perhaps a little bit earlier than some others did because of that trip. One of the really fortunate things that we had on our side uh, was that Bishop Dunn is um, technologically pretty advanced. Mm-hmm. All of our students have computers. All of our students use e-books. For most of their textbooks, um, every student has a computer. Every student has internet at home, though at different levels, some better than others, of course. And so we were not as ill-prepared as we might have been. And actually, they tell me that back a few years ago when there was a big ice storm, I guess the year that um, the Super Bowl was here, mm-hmm. it predates me, but we never missed a day of school because we went to e-learning during those snow days mm. or ice days. And so our, our staff um, was a little better prepared. We also, because of when our spring break fell, we were able to actually practice. Uh, we had a, every faculty member for every class practice with their class of what their e-learning would mm. look like on the day we went to e-learning. Mm. 
And so that week before spring break, that week of March leading into March like 13th or 14th, whatever that last week was before spring break, we were able to practice with our students. Now, we had no idea. You know, we were practicing for if we had to extend spring break a week. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, lo and behold, here we are on, you know, the 6th of May, and we're still doing e-learning. But it set us up for success uh, more so than if we hadn't had that. So literally the day after spring break, that Monday, we started e-learning and uh, and haven't stopped. And so we never missed a day of school. We made the decision. We are a Microsoft school. Yeah. That's our, um, our, our email and all of that. So we made the decision to utilize the Teams function of Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And Teams has really been our best friend. Yeah. Every class has set up a team for each class. So if a teacher has five or six sections of English, each one of their those sections has its own team. And they're able then to meet um, and sit with their students each of those days live. Yeah. And we were able to do that from day one. Yeah, that's awesome. And so our teachers could post assignments and the students, like homework, post homework, so to speak, and then the students could join the team. They could engage, and our classes are 90 minutes long, and so they could then engage with the students for 30 minutes, talk about maybe the reading assignment, or talk about a a function in math, or talk about a particular concept in science, and then leave that live session and the students go off and do their work. And so we've continued to have an 8 to 3 school day. We did, um, it was amazing, we did about probably three weeks in, I think it was April 3rd, we had our parent-teacher conference scheduled. Mm-hmm. So we did parent-teacher conferences using, using teams. Parents and students, which is the way we've always done parent-teacher conferences, it's really parent-teacher-student. So the student and the parent could sign up in advance for a meeting with their advisor and we had these live parent-student-teacher conferences through Teams. Yeah, awesome. And everybody could see each other, and everybody could engage and have conversation. And that was really helpful. So rather than delay it or rather than saying, hey, we can't do this, we just immediately pivoted from an in-person parent-teacher-student conference to one that was online. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's almost like you guys were just... Uh providentially prepared for all this uh, from what you're saying uh, and how what, what kind of feedback are you getting from teachers from students uh, as far as how effective this kind of teaching is as a I don't I think most people prefer a classroom person to person you know being able to be there in, in person but uh, are, are you getting good reports or how are the parents the teachers the students uh, responding we have received wonderful reports. It's not perfect. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not, um, going to tell you that, that everything's done perfectly <laughs> well. And boy, there's not been a single complaint and no child is, you know, behind or having trouble because obviously that's not the case. That wouldn't be the case if we were here in school. Yeah. Right. But, um, but our, our teachers have really been remarkable. It's, it's unbelievable to watch. I mean, they basically gave up spring break. Even yeah. though we prepped that week before, every one of the teachers who works here gave up a whole lot of spring break in order to manage uh, the transition. We, our director of instructional technology, Christine Voigt, who probably worked here when you were here, or mm-hmm. maybe came, right? Um, and she is 
just the absolute guru of instructional technology. She has been unbelievable. And so what she does is when a teacher has a problem, either because a student's losing connectivity or or a teacher isn't as um, adept at this as some others, Christine has stepped in and given them ideas. She keeps sending teachers ideas so that teachers don't have to do all that research themselves. She is set up. We have we have weekly faculty meetings through Teams. We have um, you know we we have just kept on doing a lot of what we do. And then when things go wrong, we can step in and fix those. We've had to have a couple of situations. We've had a couple of situations where kids' computers have broken and they haven't been able to get a new computer. And so we've loaned computers out to students and they come here and they pick them up. Our director of technology. Adrian Brewster has been working tirelessly to make sure our servers stay online and, and we don't lose um, the, the connectivity from our end. Um, but our teachers have worked unbelievably hard. And our kids are too. Our yeah. kids are finding their way. And some students don't learn as well this way. And it's hard. It's hard for some kids. And for some of our kids who need learning services, I worry about them. Our learning services coordinator, uh, Mrs. Fold, she's unbelievable with kids here in our building. And she walks kids who learn differently through the day and through the month and makes sure that they have the services they need in order to show what they know. And that's harder, I think, doing that remotely. But she continues to work with kids and work with families in order to make sure that the kids are getting what they need in order to continue to demonstrate what they know and not have that get lost in the translation with the technology. But it's, and it's not been perfect. It mm-hmm. certainly hasn't been perfect, but 90 um, some percent of what we hear from our families is that the transition was seamless, that the teachers have been available. Teachers still have office hours. You know, they meet with kids yeah. after school through teams. Yeah. They yeah. post extra work for kids who need extra problems in math to master a concept. Um, we're getting ready. Instead of doing traditional final exams, we're going to do year-end summative assessments. And so that will start on Monday with our 6th through 11th graders. They'll have a two-week window of projects where they'll have an opportunity to demonstrate what they know, which is really what we need uh, students to do. That that final exam is great for some kids, but in this world, to do a a high-stakes final exam doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so we decided that we weren't going to do it. We were going to do these year-end projects. Yeah, it sounds like you have an outstanding team there, and uh, I'm sure that's the the best uh, thing a principal and president can have is just a whole lot of really talented uh, people and some awesome students as well. Uh, Mary Beth Marcioni joining me, principal, soon to be president as well, Bishop Dunn Catholic School in uh, South Dallas, bdcs.org is the website. And I just have about a minute remaining, uh, Mary Beth. I want to ask you uh, kind of a two-part question that's very related. I understand you have a virtual admissions office, and it's open according to the website, and and what are the plans for the fall? Do you know yet whether they're going to be in classroom uh, teaching or you're going to be, uh, I, I guess, w- w- what is the plan if there is any? And uh, how can people come to know or get maybe a virtual tour or if they want to learn more about pro- the, par- the possibility of sending their kids to the school? So go to our website. We do have a virtual admissions office. We're doing 
all sorts of videos. We're working on those now. Uh, some of them are up. We've done Zoom meetings with prospective families, and we will continue to do those as we have um, interest in that with our team. We're going to do Falcon Friday next Friday, which will be an online opportunity for people to get to know us, our team, our students will be involved in that. We're working with the Diocese of Dallas in terms of planning for next year. Nobody knows for sure. Yeah. We're planning on opening. We're planning on, on opening. And uh, But the most important thing is that our students and our staff will be safe. Yeah. And I don't think in Dallas we know yet exactly what that's going to look like. But we're fully intending to be open. And if we're not open, um, you know, there are, there's talk, and I'm sure you've read some of this, that maybe we do... <laughs> We do a kind of hybrid um, learning where there may be split schedules. That's on the table where you might go, you know, every other day and have half the school in and half out so you can have much smaller classrooms. Um, we're still trying to figure out what's the best way to keep our students and our staff safe, safe and make sure that our students continue to learn. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's still a few months away before the fall starts. Right. So you got some time and, you know, that, yeah, just who knows, as you say. Uh, but at any rate, the education will continue one way or the other and, uh, good things will continue happening at Bishop Dunn Catholic School. Uh, Mary Beth Marcioni, thanks so much. Uh, really appreciate your time and, uh, all that you do to sacrifice, uh, for the, the kids and the families there at Bishop Dunn. Again, uh, uh Mary Beth Marcioni is the principal and also the president. Of this coming year of Bishop Dunn Catholic School. If you want one of those virtual tours or get in touch with their virtual admissions office, go to their website, bdcs.org, bdcs.org. And also a, another thanks to Brian Muth, Director of Admission and Financial Aid there at Bishop Dunn for uh, recommending this interview. Appreciate it very much. Thanks also to Sissel for running the board and for you, dear listener. And if you have any suggestions for uh, future programs like this one, uh, anything that's local and Catholic fits the bill for this program, just email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Thanks again, Mary Beth, and great speaking with you. Thanks, Dave. It's great to talk to you. Thanks. God bless you. This is Matt Kramer, President and CEO of the Catholic Foundation. On behalf of our Board of Trustees and staff, I want to reassure our donors, grant recipients, and partners that the Catholic Foundation is here for you during this unprecedented time. While our staff will be working remotely to maintain health and safety, we can still be reached by phone, email, website, and social media. The work of the Catholic Foundation will not be interrupted. The Foundation will continue to award grants as planned and will be in contact concerning upcoming scheduled events and meetings. Our prayers are with all of you as we navigate through these challenging days. Following Christ's lead, we will take one day at a time with confidence that the Lord will keep watch over each of us and replace our worries with His peace. Thanks for joining us for today's KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, my name is Dave Palmer. Dining Xavier is running our board. And uh, we have a familiar voice uh, who is going to be our guest, not the uh, the co-host today, Mike Murray, Chief Development Officer for Catholic Charities of Dallas. I do want to thank Lacey De La Garza because she's been in communication yes. with me and she's the one that kind of, uh, kind of, kind of like the agent, the broker. She, she got this all put together. She's parish community and volunteer 
Volunteer Engagement Senior Program Manager. Wow, I'll say that 20 times. Uh, Mike's title, a lot shorter, Chief Development Officer. And so we're going to talk about uh, the overview of what Catholic Charities is doing in the Diocese of Dallas to bless many people, especially during the COVID crisis. And also um, we're going to touch on uh, the need to continue to support uh, great uh, organizations like Catholic Charities uh, when there aren't collections at Mass and uh, some of the, the normal ways that they receive their funds have, mm-hmm. you know, changed because of COVID. So, Mike, well, welcome. Good to see you. Good to see you, Dave. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, we had to change seats because oftentimes ah. you're over here, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe one day you'll be back to the, the, the seat. This works. All right, so Chief Development Officer, um, uh, yeah, I know you, you you raise the funds necessary for all the the the, the work of the Catholic Charities. Uh, tell us more about your position. Right. So I came on board about eight months ago with Catholic Charities Dallas, and I'm the chief development officer, so I oversee all development and marketing efforts. And it's a big agency, and there's a lot to support, and we have a great, big, generous uh, Catholic donor community. So there's a lot to do and a lot of opportunities and. You know, we have 17 programs. It takes a lot of funding. So mm-hmm. I've got a five-person team. Three of the five are brand new, but they're they're really great. And uh, especially lately with COVID crisis, we've been going 100 miles per hour. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun, too. Does, does every diocese have a Catholic Charities? Is that uh, kind of a standard? Or uh, I, I'm just curious. Do, I think is, so. Yeah. Maybe some of the smaller ones, it, it's, it's a small program. But there's a Catholic Charities USA. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're a franchise of theirs, but there's some support there. Uh, and I think most of the bigger dioceses uh, have a pretty robust Catholic Charities mm-hmm. operation. Yeah, so you say a lot of different uh, work being done. If you had to uh, kind of <laughs> summarize the work, uh, generally speaking, not even necessarily. We'll get to the COVID, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how, how things sure. have changed with COVID. But what, what, what do you all do? So essentially we're a faith-based social service agency. We serve all those in need. They don't have to be Catholic. Our responsibility is in nine counties of the Diocese of Dallas. We serve about 50,000 people a year. We have 17 programs. We have five service sites. We have over 180 employees. We're pretty big. We do a lot. Our three main programs focus on housing, hunger, and education. So in a nutshell, uh, housing, we have some rapid rehousing, putting people up after a tornado in an apartment or a hotel for a little bit, things like that. The centerpiece right now, though, is this uh, St. Jude's Center for Formerly Homeless Seniors. It's in North Dallas. We have 104 people there. We have wraparound services. We have case management. These are people who have lived on the street a long time, need a lot of help. Uh, they can stay as long as they need to stay. They all have their own single efficiency apartment. It's a pretty good setup. Uh, and we've, we've had that for about a year and a half now. It's been very, uh, it's, we get great press from the Dallas Morning News. Uh, it's just been very well received. The city and county are very grateful that we're able to house that many people because as you know, homelessness is a big crisis. So that's uh, generally our housing program. Hunger is we have three food pantries situated throughout Dallas. One is pretty big. It's like a mini grocery store in Lancaster. And then we have two mobile community pantries, basically food trucks, converted beer trucks. And those launched in September, which was extremely timely for the COVID crisis. And normally they make about 35 to 40 drops distributions a month. They go all over the Metroplex, Catholic churches, non-Catholic apartment complexes, and they go for about three hours. And maybe they provide food to 100 families for a week, week and a half. Uh, that's really, really ramped up. But between the mobile pantries and the static pantries, we're distributing food 
90 to 100 times a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can share some numbers in a little while with COVID, and they're pretty uh, remarkable. And then the third aspect of our major programs is education, largely early childhood education. So we have two sites, Cardinal Farrell Center, which is off West Davis uh, in uh, West Dallas, if you know where Mount St. Michael's is mm-hmm. and Redemptorist Modern Seminary and In My Shoes is, it's right over there, Santa Clara Parish. We have Together We Learn, which is a dual generation program. The moms and the kids come in. We prep the kids for school, teach them English, uh, begin reading skills, and we want them to go in and stay at grade level. Mm-hmm. And then the mothers, uh, we have a program for them, uh, help them. Maybe it's learn English, maybe it's basic, you know, budgeting and life skills and then, uh, preparing for a professional job. So that's one aspect of it. The other one is after school. So kids come in usually up, usually from K to five, and we want to get them to grade level and keep them stay grade level. And then the summer enrichment program, which is part of just summer camp, is really fun. But the rest of it is academic enrichment. So they don't experience that summer slide yeah. you hear about. Yeah. They, they keep up their skills. So those are the three main programs. We have a lot of others, parenting, pregnancy, and adoption. We've already placed several kids this uh, calendar year. We have senior services over at Brady. It's kind of like a day center for seniors to get a couple meals, play bingo, do exercise, get other wraparound services. We have disaster relief, which stood up from Hurricane Harvey, and now it's come in. It's been incredible because we had the tornadoes in Dallas. We yeah. played a big role. And then with COVID, we're playing a huge role in that response. Uh, we have financial assistance. We have international foster care placement. Uh, we, we have a number of things, mm-hmm. and, uh, but basically trying to serve uh, all those in need in the nine counties of Dallas. Yeah. You know, it, you mentioned the tornado and <clears throat> Harvey and, you know, it, those kind of natural disasters, they impact a, a certain portion of the population. Obviously, a lot mm-hmm. of people were impacted by that swath uh, through Dallas where the tornado went and Houston with Harvey and all that. But with uh, the covid Everybody's impacted. Yes. I mean, and, and, and dramatically. I, and I and I put uh, the date almost. I, it seemed like about March 10th or thereabouts. Right. When just you know, if you do March 4th and March 11th, well, you know, one week from each other, huge difference in everybody's life. Everybody's operations changed. Right. How go take us back to that time and what was the strategy? Because nobody pre- could prepare for this. You couldn't have a, a, a meeting back in December saying, yeah. "Well, if the pandemic happens, we'll do this." So, right. h- how did you all adjust and how did that change operations? Right. Well, it was so unprecedented. There's really no preparation for it. You couldn't yeah. anticipate it, and then it moved so fast. Back then, I said, you know, three days worth of activities were happening in one day. Decisions mm-hmm. were made very, very rapidly. And we realized pretty quickly uh, that there was going to be a huge increase in demand for our services. And we knew it was going to come in food. And we were already out there. We we were really well positioned because we were serving food and meals to people in the food deserts of Dallas and the needy areas of Dallas. And so we already had a feel for that. So we just had to really ramp that up. And we knew that was coming. And then we knew we already did financial assistance. We knew people were going to be out of jobs. They needed help with rent, with uh, utilities, with basic everyday needs. And we had that program, but we needed to fully fund it because we knew the demand would be exponential. So North Texas Food Bank provides our food. So they had the food for us, and we had the means to distribute. And essentially, they gave us more food, and we distributed more food. Mm -hmm. So a couple examples. 
It, we distribute food at our Mockingbird uh, main central services building twice a week. And on a normal day, a few months ago, we would feed 80 to 100 families. We provide them. Basically, it's a small grocery store run. Basically, they mm-hmm. get bags. They get vegetables, fruit, you know, cans of food, but also pork loin and, and a pretty well-rounded diet, 80 to 100 families. And then one Monday, there's 130, and then there's 170, and then there's 230. And uh, two Thursdays ago, we had 370 wow. families that we served. Yeah. Are they qualified, or is it anybody that comes? You know, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to. You know, do you have a questionnaire? Is this you? You assume if somebody comes, then they're in need, right? We do. Yeah, we do take their information, so we can track and we can measure, yeah. and then we can see. We we have a lot of repeat customers. Yeah, but no, we don't really ask questions, and it's, and it's pretty clear by just kind of sizing the situation up yeah. that. They need food, and yeah. we don't have a whole lot of Lexusism or Sadie's come right. through the line. Right, so. and I, I don't think most people that really no. don't need it are going to spend their time standing in the line and and, and going through the, the you know the right the, yeah that. And so everybody that's there needs it. Right, and we adopted the program, so now it's just drive through. Mm-hmm. We have uh, staff and volunteers who drop the food in people's trunk. The clients do not get out of their cars, so we've done a lot of adapting. We do that at the Brady Center in West Dallas, Cardinal Farrell, and the Center in Lancaster, where we have. The food is there, and the people just drive through. Yeah. Uh, so we've adapted, and we. I went to a food drop at Holy Cross Parish in South Dallas a couple of weeks ago. You know, Father Tim Golub's parish. Yeah. And when I drove up, they had already started, and I looked to my left, and the line of cars was easily a mile long. Wow. Oh. It was incredible. Yeah. And luckily, we can fill that need. But you've been able to keep up with demand and, and the supply is there. Uh, did you, uh, I, I got to ask, did, did, did you, were you able to provide the, the toilet paper, the hand sanitizer, <laughs> some of these, uh, these, you know, items that nobody seemed to get? I think they're a little bit more plentiful now, but, uh, a month or so ago, nobody could get toilet paper. No, we, we didn't even try. That wasn't part of our normal. Yeah. Um, material that we distributed. So besides f- food, we always have distributed diapers. Yeah. And we're still doing that, and we do that in combination with the food drops. But let me give you a couple stats just uh, to put uh, some uh, some facts and figures to it. So over the last seven weeks, we've distributed 822,000 pounds of food. Wow. That's 685,000 meals to 24,000 families. Wow. And I That's just a matter of weeks. Yeah. It, seven weeks. Yeah. And you, if you just look at the lines, so that's been huge. The other part that now is ramped up is financial assistance. Yeah. So there's some more vetting that goes on there, but still there's trust and we don't hand people cash, but they, we get, we assess their needs. We've had 3,400 applicants for financial assistance in a month. Wow. Yeah. And so the quick stats on that are we've already, uh, supported 379 families financially to the tune of $193,000 since April 12th. Mm. And so what we'll do is we'll pay their rent directly for them. We'll pay their utilities directly. Or if they need to buy a bunch of household goods at, say, Target, we give them gift cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're taking the burden off. If if they've lost an income or two incomes or whatever the situation may be, uh, hopefully this helps. So between the financial assistance and getting a fair amount of meals from us, and they can do it at least on a weekly basis. We hope that offsets a lot of the 
financial pain that they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. That, that is amazing. I mean, so much work is uh, being done and so much is being ramped up. And mm-hmm. uh, let me ask you a somewhat unrelated question because I know it's something that Catholic Charities is involved in, and that's the census. I, yes. I, I was getting emails and letters and, you know, yeah, I think maybe even calls saying, yeah, do the census. And I kept putting it off and putting it off. And my, right. my wife kept saying, just well, you just go online, do the I census. Know, I went on, it me took too. me two minutes, and I, and I was done. But it's one of those things that people just ignore. But why is it important? Well, we play a role in encouraging people to fill out the census because it is important for social services. So, for example, it determines research and funding for the next 10 years. So that's mm-hmm. why it's really important. Yeah. They only do this every 10 years. For example, it informs how much employment funds are needed uh, for a particular sector or region of the country. Um, it affects funding for roads, hospitals, schools, and so on. And we're in the business of helping people who need it. And so the census helps the government figure out what they need to do for their social services. So, and the government funds organizations like ours to stand in for them. And so they don't have to uh, build out a whole program to, to provide food or whatever. Uh, and, and we don't get help from the government for food, but for other services we might. And so, Therefore, uh, the funding will be there, hopefully, for the needs that present themselves in a given uh, community. Yeah, a little easier than back in biblical times when, <laughs> uh, what was it, Joseph, <clears throat> didn't Joseph and Mary have to travel back to Bethlehem Somewhere, for the census yeah. or something? I, you know, I'd, that, have to, I'd have to fly to Syracuse. I mean, go back to my, the place of my birth. So all, now all you got to do is click online, and it takes you two minutes. The marvels all right, so, of the Internet. <laughs> yeah, so make sure you fill out that census uh, like I did. Let's You, know, you, you throw out these numbers, and, uh, you, you know, it's just amazing, but this the money doesn't fly, you know, fall out of trees. And so yeah. uh, you've got that annual event that you have every beginning of every year that I know raises a lot of funds. But mm-hmm. you know, I, and I know all the nonprofits are saying, you know, we our services, like you say, are only increasing. But perhaps right. the the way of receiving the donations has there's been some blocks. And so tell right. us about that. What are the needs? Well, you referenced March 10th or 12th as kind of the light bulb moment, and the same for me. I thought, oh my goodness, we're gonna have to raise yeah. a lot of money and I can't go visit with people. We don't have some big event coming up. So we just got on the phone and the email and called our best donors uh, historically and just were real clear with them and said, we need help right now. Yeah. And everyone knows that. And they know that the thing for us that really helped Dave is that our services are spot on with the needs. Mm-hmm. There's other great nonprofits who have important services, but maybe they don't tie in as relevant to the current needs of the COVID crisis, but ours do food and financial assistance and other things. So we basically just present the opportunity to as many people as we possibly could. And we got a tremendous response. And we also, projected you know, we we sent out a lot of emails and social media and again people responded extremely generously so we're we're fine with food and financial assistance needs because of the response we got over a month or so uh, so that was great but what's interesting is so that was unexpected uh, to have to raise so much money in a short amount of time but we have our annual campaign uh, every may and really that's centered around second collection sunday which is one weekend in may well uh, of course, we're not going to have that this year, so we have to make up for that. So we're dedicating the month of May to Time for Giving is our theme to support all of our services, not just COVID matters, but everything that we do, the things we mentioned earlier. And we're going to do it over the course of a month, and we're going to send out emails. The bishop has cut some great videos for us. The diocese is going to send out emails for us, which is really great. We'll send out our own. Uh, we have a video. We'll do social media. We'll, again, call and email people. But this is a, a huge time for us to fund 
a year's worth of programs. I talked about 17 programs and five service sites, and we're always trying to grow and do more. So this is really important for us, and really, since people can't give at Mass, uh, they just simply go on ccdallas.org and give online our website, and then, of course, people can mail checks. They can call me, email me, and we'll facilitate whatever we need to. But we ne- we just need people to just take the initiative and uh, and uh, give uh, right now because we're not going to have the opportunity to ask people at Mass. Mm-hmm. I know you're, uh, and again, that website, ccdallas.org. Uh, Mike Murray, by the way, my guest, uh, Chief Development Officer with Catholic Charities of Dallas, ccdallas.org, and uh, really appreciate great information, and they're doing a lot of great work. Uh, you know, I think about uh, the whole social distancing thing. In radio, social distancing <laughs> doesn't make much of a difference because the person's on the freeway listening to us, and we're miles away from each other. Uh, in, other than maybe in studio guests, but it's a it's it's a distancing you know mm-hmm. apostolate by its very nature. But yours is not. Yours is a person to person helping the poor. And how has how has that impacted things? Because I know you want volunteers, and mm-hmm. but volunteers are saying, well, I don't know if I want to be. You right. know, how how much contact am I going to need to be around people? Tell, tell me about that. How has that changed? Well, it's interesting. So we did shift a lot of our services to virtual things. We could assist uh, immigration legal services. Um, financial assistance, uh, they went on fine without meeting people person to person, but food, for example. So, so much credit goes to our frontline staff. They were, from day one, they were interacting with clients. We took precautions. They didn't come in the food pantries. We dropped food in their trunk, but still, they were out there with all these people. Mm-hmm. And so, we also lost volunteers at the outset because I don't think people knew what to do and they were scared and I understand that. So the first couple food drops at uh, Mockingbird, I went back there, other staff went back there and there were very few volunteers. But the volunteers have started coming back because certain mm-hmm. people are more comfortable. They have masks, they have gloves, dropping food in trunks. I think most people are pretty comfortable. A lot of people are comfortable with that. So that's helped. But we do have a great need for volunteers because it has fallen off and because there's a lot more work to do. So we need help in the food program. So if people are comfortable doing, as I was describing, uh, distributing food as people drive through, that would be great. We have food pantries where they can do that, and we also have the mobile food drops all over the Dallas area, all of the diocese, and we can give people that information. And then if, if you want to volunteer, uh, you just simply email Celeste Garcia. So it's cgarcia at ccdallas.org, and Celeste – is our volunteer coordinator, and she will hook you up with any of those opportunities. The other big one is for disaster services, the call screening for the financial assistance I mentioned. We just don't have enough people to do that, mm-hmm. 3,400 applicants in the last month. And it takes a while to, to vet people. So we need bilingual call screeners. If we could get people who speak Spanish largely and can screen calls, take down information, that would be a huge help. I think you can do that from your home, mm-hmm. uh, and you can do it on your own hours, but we really need help with that. And if you want to come in and then help at the front desk with a lot of uh, tasks and chores and things, we, we welcome that at our Mockingbird Center. But really, we need volunteers, CGRC at ccdallas.org. And if you're already, a lot of you out there already, Catholic Charities Dallas volunteers, uh, we would love to, to have you get involved. We definitely have things for you to do. Yeah. Uh, very good. Well, thanks, Mike. And I guess I'm just kind of thinking of as we're wrapping up here, uh, the highlights are a lot of work being done by Catholic Charities. The work has only increased because of the COVID crisis. And there's a need for funds to keep it going, especially during the month of May when you're having this big fund drive. 
and uh, you need volunteers. And, <laughs> we do. Uh, uh, so, all right. Well, thanks so much. Anything else you want to communicate with our, our listeners? Or have we covered it pretty well? Oh, I just want to say that the demand for our services are at the greatest height they've ever been because of the COVID crisis. And therefore, the demand for funding to support those services are at the highest that they've ever been as well. Mm-hmm. And the response has been great so far, but the relief efforts for COVID will continue for quite a while. So we will need funding uh, for as, as far as we can see into the future and volunteer help. So we truly appreciate any help that anybody can give us. All right. Mike Murray, thanks so much. Chief, De- Chief Development Officer with uh, Catholic Charities. Also, thanks to Lacey De La Garza, and she is Parish Community and Volunteer Engagement Senior Program Manager. I love saying that title. That is so cool. Can it's you fit cool Can you title. fit that in a car, on a, on a business card? She has a really big business card. It's, <laughs> it's hard to carry around. It's like poster size. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks again to Lacey and uh, all the folks. I, I really did not realize how big the scope was of Catholic right. Charities, the, the amount of people that are being helped, the amount of number of employees, the number of volunteers. I mean, that's a huge, huge organization. So we uh, appreciate all all the work that's being done, again, visit the website. You can find everything there, ccdallas.org, ccdallas.org. This has been the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Thanks to Diane Xavier, flawlessly running the board today and producing this program. And I always say at the end of these interviews, if you have an idea for an interview like this, I you can make my life so much easier. Just be like Lacey and email me and say, hey, you know, I got an idea. And if it's Catholic and local, it fits. I promise you. I'll yeah. come back on next week, Dave, if you want me. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm available. I'll say I want to thank Mike Murray for <laughs> suggesting Mike Murray. Uh, all right. Uh, anyways, thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. And don't forget to support great, great groups like Catholic Charities of Dallas. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at the same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Hello, my name is Brad Grimes with the Grimes Insurance Group, and I'm a proud sponsor of 910 AM. My wife and I are parishioners of St. Francis of Assisi in Frisco with our four sons. I would like you to consider Grimes Insurance Group for your personal insurance needs. We are an independent agency working with multiple carriers. I invite you to call today for a no-obligation review of your insurance needs. We can be reached at 214-494-8800. That's 214-494-8800. Thank you. I'll bet you know by now that Amazon Smile is a great way to support your favorite charity. And supporting the Guadalupe Radio Network while you shop is easy. Step one, just start off at smile.amazon.com. Step two, choose La Promesa Foundation as your charity. La Promesa Foundation is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio Network. And step three, enjoy your shopping. Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase to the La Promesa Foundation, and it doesn't cost you any extra. La Promesa Foundation and Guadalupe Radio Network, thank you. My name is Martha Eberline. My husband Kyle and I are parishioners at Good Shepherd Catholic Community in Colleyville. At Mid-Cities Dental, we provide dental health services to our patients by helping them understand the relationship between healthy teeth and their gums and their overall health. We are proud sponsors of the outstanding programming you hear each day on KATH 910 AM. You can learn more by visiting midcitiesdental.com or by calling us at 817-282-9321. Have a blessed day.
The Guadalupe Radio Network appreciates the support of Vetro Glass Blowing Studio and Gallery located on historic Main Street in Grapevine for their support of local Catholic radio on KTH 910 AM. They offer crafted glass art ranging from handmade sculptures to small glass art gifts. They're currently open for curbside glass service Tuesday through Saturdays from 10 AM to 5 PM. They can be reached by calling 817-251-1668 and online at grapevineglassblowers.com. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.